May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning. And may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear today. One night at Birdland, which is the famous jazz bar, Cab Calloway was introducing a promising, thank you, was introducing a promising young saxophone player. And as the sax player finished his set, a guy from the audience came up to him and said to the young guy in front of Cab, he said, you aren't really that good, man. All you do is play like Charlie Parker. Cab took the young man's sax and he handed it to the guy in the audience. And he said, okay, here you go. You play like Charlie Parker. It's true that whenever we're trying to do something that really matters, it seems, somebody comes around to criticize. We have critics. I have my critics. I'm sure you have yours. The world is full of them. Writer James Kirkpatrick bought a computer program And this computer program was designed to scan copy for mistakes and could help him uh, with his grammar usage, his style, and his punctuation. The computer could tell him the difference between good writing and bad writing. And just for fun, he entered one of his own writings. And the machine told him pretty much that he was a lousier writer. So then, He thought, well, okay, I'm going to try Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. And so he did that, and the computer informed him that Abe's writing style was very weak because he was too wordy, and he used too much of the passive voice. It also said that he used too many adjectives, that most of his sentences had multiple clauses, and that he should try to write more simply, a great document such as that. Even computers are becoming critics. Critics are everywhere. Anybody who tries to do anything that matters is going to face some criticism. There's going to be somebody telling them that they should have done it differently. As Yogi Berra once said, anyone who is popular is bound to be disliked. Jesus healed a woman. This woman had a bad back. She had been bent over, it says in the scripture, for 18 years. She couldn't straighten herself up. Jesus saw this. He had compassion on her, and he healed her. That's what Jesus does. He heals people. He heals them spiritually. He heals them emotionally. And sometimes he heals them physically. There was a woman who had a chronic bone problem. She could not lift her head up to drink from a cup. She suffered from a rare condition that caused her head to be pointed straight down, and it was stuck in that position, almost attached to her chest. She rarely left her house because she couldn't walk down the street. She couldn't watch for traffic. She couldn't see what was happening around her. And she couldn't eat, she couldn't drink properly without first sort of modifying her eating utensils and her cups and so forth. But she found somebody that could help her. 
And it's kind of an amazing story. The surgeon used a radical procedure where he completely detached her head from her spinal column. And I know it sounds like a story from the National Enquirer, but it's, it's actually true. At one point during the surgery, her head was only connected to her shoulders by arteries and muscles. After making the adjustments to the spinal column, he, the surgeon reattached her head to her spine. It was a very risky procedure, but it worked. And she had almost full use of her head and her neck again. She found the right doctor, and he healed her. 2,000 years ago, there were no doctors to perform miraculous procedures like that. But there was still help. Jesus was there, and he heals people. He healed people then, and he sometimes heals people now. The University of Arizona College of Medicine in Tucson has a program called Integrative Medicine. And in this program, they study and they use alternative forms of medicine. One form of alternative medicine that this college uses is prayer. In scientific studies at that college, and this doesn't surprise me a bit, but it probably surprised them, they found that prayer has been shown to lower blood pressure. Even better, they found that over the years of research that folks who pray on a regular basis tend to live longer. One study has shown that heart patients are less likely to die when it's time for a very serious surgery, when they have family members praying for them, even though they may not be aware that their family members are praying for them. Well, I'm glad that medical science is finally catching up with what you and I already know, and that is that God answers prayer, and that Jesus sometimes heals people. He heals them spiritually, emotionally, and sometimes physically. That's what he does. But there are still critics, still naysayers, there are a couple of people in this room who could give us some very, very good testimony as to God answering prayer and healing them in some very, very significant ways. Well, there was a critic there that day when Jesus healed this woman. The ruler of the synagogue where Jesus was teaching, it says he was moved with indignation. Hmm. Who does this guy think he is? Healing somebody on the Sabbath. There are six days that you can do that kind of stuff, he says. But today is the Sabbath. No work. No healing. Come and be healed on those six days. But not today. Well, the ruler of the synagogue was upset because Jesus was breaking the rules. Oh no, we have a rule, no healing on the Sabbath. Have you ever noticed how many stupid things are done because there are rules? Greyhound bus lines had a rule. No pets were allowed on buses. 
And so late one night at a bus stop out in the middle of nowhere in Florida, I remember reading about this. This was several years ago. A Greyhound bus driver kicked an 80-year-old woman off the bus. Why? Because she was coming home from her 80th birthday celebration with her present, a tiny little puppy named Cookie, just a little tiny puppy, whom she had in a bag, you know, in a satchel, and he wasn't causing any problem. Well, the driver said, dogs aren't allowed on Greyhound buses. I'm not making an exception for you. And so he left this elderly lady 80 miles from home at 3 o'clock in the morning in this very rural, at this very rural bus stop. He said, we have a rule. We have a rule. We have to stick with it. She said, well, can you, can you at least call for some help for me? The sheriff's department came. And this made the poor lady even more afraid. She said, when the bus pulled away and all I saw were policemen, I was afraid. I thought maybe they were going to put me in jail, and I've never been in jail before. I was crazy with fear. What, if, what could have been a very terrifying ordeal for this woman who walks with a cane and has trouble hearing and seeing instead became an inspiration? First, the two deputies took her and got her a sandwich and something to drink and calmed her down a little bit and then radioed police from five different jurisdictions so that they could relay her home. At the end, they went to the end of their jurisdiction. Another policeman took over and they took her all the way home. She said, I've never seen so many nice people. She said, they gave me love, respect, attention. And then she went on to say, love has a lot of names. Compassion, respect, friendliness. Greyhound later apologized and gave her a refund. The driver was disciplined. But Greyhound had a rule, and this guy wasn't going to break it. The religious leaders of Jesus' time had lots of rules, and most of the rules were good, including the one about not working on the Sabbath. Don't you think it would be great if we had a rule, a law, that nobody could work on Sunday? or on Saturday in the case of our Jewish friends, that they had, that they were required not to work, but they had, but they, they could, that would free them up to go to church or do whatever else they wanted to do on that day, spend time with families. They could slow down, take a day to rest and relax. But if that happened, would we close up the hospitals? No. Somebody has to work at the hospitals, Right to take care of those folks. Some things are more important than rules and regulations. As we talk to about the kids, it's people. Jesus healed a woman with a bad back that day. He was criticized because he had broken the rules. But Jesus answered his critic. He called him a hypocrite. He said, hey, wait a minute. When you came here, you, you, you untied your ox or your donkey and you led them to water before you came. And today is the Sabbath. Isn't that work? Hmm. So why is it wrong for me to heal this woman 
who's been miserable for 18 years. When he performed this miracle, he established a principle that needs to be written on your heart and on mine. Rules and regulations are nice. Rules and regulations are often very important and should be followed. But the only thing that really matters to God is people, not rules. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's the message of the gospel. The only thing that God really cares about is you and I, people, not whether we're following the rules. We have laws. We have rules for our own good. That's the way to live life to the fullest. Stay within the boundaries of the rules most of the time. But what if we break one? What if we do something wrong? We do something downright stupid that we regret later. Well, it's not the end of the world. We may pay for our wrongdoing in some way. There may be consequences. There's a law that can't be denied that says what we sow, we shall reap. So there might be consequences, but still, it is not the end of the world. As long as we learn from it, there's hope, we move on, there's forgiveness, we put it behind us. Psychotherapist Sheldon Kopp said that one of the greatest challenges of his profession was to help people overcome their fears. Only then can a person realize his or her true potential. He said that his father told him a story that illustrates how unreasonable fears overwhelm us, fears of breaking rules. He said this, his father grew up in poverty in the heart of New York City. And as a young boy, he would hang around the local shipyards and he would throw rocks at the coal barges as they sailed in and out of the harbor. To chase him away, the guys on the barges would throw coal at him. They'd throw pieces of coal at him. Well, by collecting these pieces of coal, he would take them home to help his family heat their home. One day, the boy's mother gave him a nickel. So this was a couple years ago. Gave him a nickel and sent him to the day-old bakery to buy some bread. The bread only cost two cents, so she expected him to bring back three pennies. It was a cold winter day. He, they were poor, so he was only dressed in a thin sweater, and his sweater had several pockets in it. He walked the long walk to the bakery, and he bought his two cents worth of bread, and then he made the long trip back home in the cold. And as he got close to home, he began to worry about those three pennies and change. If he lost even one penny, he knew he was going to get a whipping. And so he reached into one of his pockets and he fished around. No change. Frantically, he reached into another until finally he was down to only one pocket left. There were no pennies in any of the pockets that he had checked. He just couldn't, couldn't check that last one. He couldn't confront his fear that it would be empty too and that he had lost the three cents. So the little boy sat down on his front porch for hours in the cold. If he looked in this one pocket that was left, he was afraid to find it empty. If he went inside, he feared facing his parents in their anger. So he sat outside in that cold, paralyzed by fear that he just couldn't bring himself to face. 
Somehow that young man didn't realize that his parents' love for him was much greater than their love for money. They were much more concerned for him than they were for the three cents. Their love for him was even greater than the idea of being responsible. It was greater than his tiny heart and his mind could even imagine. He didn't have time to sit out there in the cold. or I'm sorry, he didn't have to sit out there in the cold, no matter what, because there was warmth inside, the warmth of love and forgiveness in his parents' house. I think there's a lesson to be learned in that for all of us. Jesus broke the rules. He healed a man on the Sabbath. He wanted us to see that God's love for God's children, that's us, is greater than God's wanting us to stick to all the rules and the laws. We never, ever need to sit out in the cold, wondering in the dark night, afraid that we haven't done enough to make God happy, that we'll be able to get to heaven and then we'll have a place there. Because whatever sins you have committed or I have committed are already forgiven. No need for fear. If you've broken the rules, God has forgiven you. We never, ever need to worry. His love is greater than our mistakes. His love is greater than poor choices that we make in our lives. All that matters to God is that we, like the little boy, Come home. Amen.